Yes, yes. And then right under him with the black cat with Silac or Silock over his shoulder. Uh, it's my man. It's your boy Double Black in the building. Glad to be back in the Begin Podcast. We're coming at you virtual, but we're always in your ears with the nerdiness and the blackness, so you know you love us, and we're back again for you people. And you know that's correct. You know that's correct. And last, but most certainly not least, we got... Yo, it's Laser Beam. Uh, I'm the real professor at Gilligan's Island. They didn't tell you, they didn't tell you about it. <laughs> was there that's funny that's funny that's funny so yeah man the crew is back it's all five of us too it it makes me very excited to have us all in the same virtual room right now uh today we're going to talk about uh some of the some of the interesting dc things that are coming out in rotation we're also going to probably talk about a few things that we've been doing since we you know took our long hiatus but uh in this instance you know all i got to say really about warner brothers and dc products at this point is not the best stuff so uh i'm gonna let somebody else kick it off y'all do it yeah it's been some misses (laughs) yeah so uh today what we're gonna do uh we're gonna kind of break down some of the warner brothers stuff because that's the most topical News coming at you. We got news about a black Superman with Tanasi Coates. Core Winter's going to delve into that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about all the fever buzz around uh, the Snyder Cut, whether that's good or bad, you know, but, you know, we'll drop some opinions on that. And then since it's Black History Month, we will give you a little black history on Milestone Comics, which is a black branch of DC. And we'll, we'll whet your appetite on that a little bit. More to come on a future episode later. But um, yeah, and then we'll finish it off with a little fun stuff, talking about Mortal Kombat, everyone's favorite fighting game, your dad's your dad's favorite fighting game. That's still the best king on the block. Uh, Street Fighter would beg to differ, but yes, <laughs> yes, we're gonna say that today. We're gonna say that today. Yeah, the word on the street, the news is that apparently Warner Brothers has decided to reboot Superman with J.J. Abrams producing and Ta-Nehisi Coates writing. And uh, cast a black man as Superman, apparently. And um, before everybody gets all all twisted up, there's we want to talk about the history of black Kryptonians. They do, they do exist in in canon for people who are, you know, people who care about that kind of thing. Um, the first mention of black Kryptonians comes in Superman. 200 and something, I think. 234? Don't forget, people can see you doing research now. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, 234. And um, it, it mentions uh, that came out in 1971. And that mentions uh, kind of like a Kryptonian Africa where an advanced race of black people live. And then. In 1985, Crisis on Infinite Earths, they did a, uh, one of the Earths that was, um, you know, immediately erased was uh, a Earth with um, a race-reversed Justice League. Uh, Basically, there was kind of like, they played like an opposite Justice League where they had a base that was underwater and, uh, you know, there were all the, all the members of the Justice League were black except for Black Lightning was white, and then they introduced them, and they were promptly destroyed. And then, <laughs> was there White Lightning? Was please tell me the thing was White Lightning? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice, love it. That was 1985. Then 
um, in 2011 with uh, uh, Graham Morrison introduces a uh, black Superman who's um, who was basically kind of inspired by Barack Obama and he is president of his earth and it's his way of resurrecting um, resurrecting that crisis world so all the all the heroes all the, the main heroes in that world are, are black and it's um, it's a, one of the earth and the new 52 you said you, you just mentioned he was pre- he, he also was president Superman oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he said Obama yeah. man yeah. that's pretty good I remember the, yeah I remember the cover of that so okay and also and that's, and that's the because uh, uh, Catalyst is wearing that uh, sci-fi shirt that reminded me in that TV show Krypton there are black Kryptonians yeah, and that they're, they're they are flush with black Kryptonians in that show. Someone say too many black Kryptonians. For <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so yeah, so oh yeah, for all you racists out there that are going to be like, hey, Superman has to be white. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, and, and also, there's actual precedent in the comics for that because yeah. in I think two thousand. 2017, maybe 2016, 2017, uh, they came out with a you know a new. They rebooted Earth Two, so uh, new. They did a new take on all these heroes, and the, the Superman of that world was Val Zod, who was a black Superman. Yeah. Uh, so the from the House of Zod. Okay. Okay. Were, were cool. black. There you go. All and right. So yeah. on show all the um, yeah. the, the the Zods are. And last but not least, our Sunshine Superman was created by Graham Morrison, who's kind of like a trippy 70s Afro wearing Superman. <laughs> that's all there. That's what you got. So there's, all right. there's I, I like the fact that Graham Morrison, President Cannon, what was heavy, heavy lifting with black Superman. <laughs> did, 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 he literally created two. <laughs> two of them uh, and continue to push President Superman and throughout all of those crises like uh, oh yeah put him on a um, kind of definitely did not let that character fall into disuse you know just would use him on the kind of uh, a he's the head of the multiversal Justice League you know the Justice League that exists outside of time and handles all the universal multi-universal problems what was, so what was that, that like what was the, series? so what? what was the series that introduced that multiverse the Grant Morrison series with the multiverse uh, what was uh, that called Infinite Crisis no not Infinite Crisis uh, no no you're right Um, you mean the, the, the new Fifty Two, like the Ori of Worlds and all that whole thing? Yes, where he he introduced like Earth M and all that other stuff. He separated everything. Well, one of them crises. <laughs> well, it sounds like the Black Superman is the rickest Rick of them all because he's leading the multiverse. <laughs> <Superman>. <laughs> so that's good. I mean, I think the highlights are you know WB's oh, multiverse Superman. You know, uh, WB's rebooting Superman. J.J. Abrams is behind producing it, and Tana Cassie Holtz, who is, in by many estimations, the foremost black intellectual writer of the, of our time, uh, and, and at least one of them, and a thought leader in black politics, 
he's got a great article from the Atlantic like five years ago about the case for reparations, which is amazing. Uh, yeah. But he also has written Black Panther for like yeah. the last three yeah, years. Fiction cred. He's written a, yeah. written a kind of a magical realist novel, mm-hmm. Water Dancer, I think. It yes, is. yes, yeah, I believe that's what's called. He's also written several issues so. Black Panther, yeah. which I, I honestly didn't think were that good. It was a little too talky for me. But yeah, not not a heavy on the action. America, however, has been way more interesting. Okay, I, I still I still am not a huge fan of his comic book writing. I think he's more of a, a you know he writes now. I think he writes better novels, uh, better better prose novels than comics. There's just too much. It's like damn, man, I read this whole issue. He's talking. He's, he was talking. It's like too much. <laughs> so too much talking heads. Yeah, I've yeah, got the first you know, five or six, topic. and yeah, there's a lot of talking in it. Yeah, I remember that. So, I just want to say, I, just say, I'm, uh, I am concerned with J.J. Abrams uh, producing, but I guess if he's producing, then that's a good thing, because that's at least where he can, um, you know, uh, won't do too much damage. Because I think he's a, a poor director uh, or and writer. Uh, like, he wrote, uh, co-wrote, Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker uh, with two other different guys, and the writing of those movies aren't uh, that strong in my opinion. So they're not that good. Yeah, not good. Um, yeah. Or matter of fact, but so if, uh, if he's just in the production thing and he's just making everything look sexy, I think that can that's fine and that's good. So I just want to put that out there, like 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 we're saying, like JJ trying to say, like, well, I, I think that's the elephant in the room is that. While there is a precedent for Black Superman, and we all here are gung ho for that representation, at the end of the day, it's another DC movie, live action. Yep. And so my my hurts to say it because uh, as we're going to talk about in this episode, like DC has some great African American like people of color characters, like they have a treasure trove, and unfortunately. Wow, this should be a celebration for us. I'm also like, mm, maybe just wait a little bit. Like, you like ruin another Superman movie and then right. Well, I think it depends on. I mean, who the director is. I think Tom right. Hasse can can can. I think it's possible he can write a good script. Um, I, I don't think it's like a, a grand slam, you know, or 100 percent automatic that he will write a great script. But I think it will turn on who the director is and how. Yeah. They they mesh it as a creative team, you know, the three of them, the producer, the writer, and the director. So, yeah. you know, if they have someone with good vision and everything, and I think it could work out well. Hey, but I, I feel like at the end of the day, they still want to make money. So they're not, like, I think creative try, and, and unfortunately, uh, we're living in a time where this might not be the most opportune moment to take away white Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, black like it's, no matter what they do, it's... Well, what, they, what have they got to lose, really, though? Because Marvel movies, Black Panther made a million dollars, I mean, a billion dollars, and they figured he's always, been, he's always been black, though. And, and Superman, you know, just, and, and uh, the black audience drove that, drove that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Black Panther's always been black, so you didn't take him away from white people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but like, what was it like? Black Panther made 
Justice made the whole run of Justice League's money in like a weekend or a week or something like that. Like all the people offered it's not apples to apples comparison. But I am saying that if they can make a black Superman movie and drive and and make more money than Man of Steel, it's a win for them. And that's entirely possible. Yeah. And Man of Steel made what, maybe two hundred million, three hundred million, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Perry Max didn't ask him. Right. I mean, I'll probably still shoot it in the studio. It was a Tyler Perry DC movie. That would be the worst thing known to man. My next son. The Tyler Perry DC movie. Son. Kojo is the villain. My nigga. Like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not part of Like, if he. Well, I mean, okay. So around the horn. But yeah. Real quick, every one shot. Who do you cast as Superman? As the black Superman, and we know if it's Tyler Perry, it's going to be a light skinned guy, and Jesus Elba's going to play Lex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to say the one thing yes. all black people who are nerdy say about everything heroic related to any black man playing any role Michael J. White. <laughs> and right. yes. Like, so you could do some really interesting things with, like, 
the black nerd, like he can be a black nerd who like paints Warhammer figures and stuff like that. But he's also Superman. Like and that guy, he can be nerdy. He can do. I'm just saying, like I've seen it. Winston, Winston Duke has more of the big physique of Superman yeah. and stuff. So I would say Baku Morrison run the All Star yeah. Superman. For yeah, it was the physicality. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's that's my that's 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 why I would cast. Yeah, try hard, Blau. Try hard. All right, all right. Try. <laughs> you guys are killing me. Just just hurt my heart. But I'll say. Um, I'll say this. One, you don't necessarily have to do a Clark Kent thing. You can have a completely different character be Superman. Hopefully that's what they'll do and not just make a black Clark Kent. A negative photo. <laughs> My favorite would be Yaya Amati the second. Okay. <laughs> He's got stature. He already played Dr. Manhattan, who's already played Superman, basically a, a Superman before. He's mm-hmm. got the build. He's got the presence. And, um, you know, it, we'll see what he's like. He's like in Candyman, but he can play like a everyman as well. So that, that that's my dude right there. Okay. Oh. I think we all came up with some solid, solid. Uh, I would really be interested in the, in the Michael J. White. That would be. Like, to see Superman do karate and stuff like that? Not just, not just blood sport. Not just throw haymakers. He came from Gorilla City and shit, son. Like, he was real, son. Like, he had to fight him out of Gorilla City, son. Like, he didn't even get him to spawn. So, I'm on now. But, son, that's an old-ass movie that's getting remade anyway with a different person. So, like, nothing about that movie that's bad is about is on Michael J. White. Michael J. White, right, exactly. Michael J. White didn't make that movie bad. get a Rico. If it wasn't Michael yeah. Jackson, so as far I, I might have to agree with that, but I don't know. Is he too old to play? Uh, that's my only concern. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like you have Samuel L. Jackson out here doing action. Well, I mean, shots. it's where you, I mean, it's like how you how do you set it up? You can set it up as like he's. Um, it's like Crisis on Infinite Earth. He's like old retired Superman. Like his, how you want to set it up, and then you can do flashbacks to one of the younger casts that we're talking or, about, or Kingdom Come Black Superman. Yeah, keep, that's what I'm talking about. Kingdom Come, Kingdom Come. Yeah, when he's got the like gray hairs a little bit. Gray hair. Yeah, like the Gray Temple. So anyway, so everybody, that's uh, that's the topical news. Now we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about what everyone wants to talk about. The uh, uh, Snyder Cut that has got so many people excited. I don't like, want to talk about that, no. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does not want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to iterate that before we get into this, because I'm going to be very Watch Batman's Sons of the Dragon. He does the voice of the Bronze Tiger, and it's amazing. It's, a, mm. it's, it's basically... Uh, Batman show set in the 70s and it's like a 70s kung fu movie black exploitation Batman mm-hmm. and it's amazing black Batman it, it's, it's the best black I keep seeing ads for it so I'm gonna check it out it's just really good if we're talking Snyder Cut yeah I'm I'm hoping for some redemption mm, tell me why why do you why do you want to reopen this this box and, and look back into it what's in the box Exactly. I want to see the unity. 
basically the story of Cyborg was supposed to be that movie. Yeah, Cyborg story. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Yeah, Cyborg story. Yeah. I know all the stuff that went down with Ray Fisher, and that was one of his big beefs. I think is that his stuff got cut. That um, with with Joss Whedon is that you know he took Cyborg story, which is supposed to be the center of the movie, and just filled it with with booty. <laughs> and and um, so I, I, I want to see that. I want to see what Ray Fisher can do. I mean, I've seen him in uh, True Detective, and I think he's a great actor. And I think is you know I, I, I want to see his cyborg. I want to see his take. I want to see what it's supposed to be. Uh, I want to see what what Snyder's vision was. You know, even though I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder fan. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Because I'm saying. Were his previous DC movies awesome? Wait, Booty. Like the 300s? <laughs> no, no, he did a Man of Superman. Yes. He's kind of 0 for 2. Especially Man of Steel, they're, you know, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but like BVS, man. Batman and Superman was not a good movie. Like, like, I, we saw what he did with Doomsday. So do we think he can do something good with Darkseid? Like, yeah, that's where I am. Like, he ruined, like, like three great storylines, plus, like, four major characters. Like, Martha. Doomsday, Martha. and Lex yeah, Luthor, and his, like, his Batman and his Superman. It's like, what are you, these are, these are, like, cornerstone characters to the DC. Like, none of that should be laid on Josh Whedon. Like, none of, like, that's, that's got nothing to do with uh, that. That's where it's I am. Yeah. yeah, but like, like you know, Rob, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's hard to pick that up for like... I'll definitely give you that, but it, Zack Snyder is definitely a, 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 it's, it's an acquired, acquired taste, and it's not necessarily to mine either, but as a business decision, a lot to do this. Zack Snyder has a lot of fans, and Batman. Those movies, they didn't do Marvel money, but they made money. You know, a lot of people. Oh, so? Hey. Yeah. No, no, you're talking. I mean, I'm a Zack Snyder fan. I got posters of his movies in my house. I, you know, waited in line to get like an autograph, like book of Sucker Punch, of like the making of that book. So, like, I like the like I like his aesthetic, and I like what it. But I don't think. He has all the great, right tools to be a great storyteller when he's left to his own devices. Um, I, I think he clearly didn't understand like certain characters uh, yeah. that are like touchstones of the DC universe. Uh, you know, and I think he's great. He's a great painter, but he's not a great like visual storyteller in terms of like he needs really good original work. All his best stuff: Dawn of the Dead, The Three Hundred, Watchmen all are, like, written by other people and adapted, like, in the screenplay format. And so, like, it's original good ideas, and he just puts the comic books on the screen, shot for shot. He's really good at that. You know, in many ways, he's the world's best music music video director. But when he's left his own devices and he's creating his own original storylines, it's like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I 100% I, verbatim. Yeah. 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 So. Everything. Yeah, Double Black does that. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's tough too because I I do I agree with Double Black. Like some of Zack Snyder's aesthetic, I, I enjoy. And uh, a number of years ago, as a as a side, one of the members of my band, the Alchemistics, Rashawn, uh, 
came up to me and was telling me about the rumors that Zack Snyder was going to direct Cobalt 60, which was a comic series uh, done by Vaughn Bodie, who's local to this area. Mark Bodie, shout out, uh, you know, did the Turtles for a bit, another artist. Uh, and so I was really excited. And, and those rumors happened around the same time where he did Sucker Punch and he was going into Watchmen. But then he like stepped up. And, and after I saw the Justice League stuff, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Or not the Justice League, but the Batman, Superman. It's like, I don't know how, if he can handle such an open thing as Cobalt 60. Because there's not a lot of like material there. It, you know, it's, it's kind of this apocalyptic world. It was kind of open canvas. And I felt like he might not be able to be that guy. But yeah. I mean, I think he's pulling it out in this third Justice uh, League movie. Yeah, I mean, he's got another movie that just got the trailer released coming to Netflix in, in May called The Army of the Dead, which looks bad, but very entertaining. <laughs> oh, was that the dude who imitates Eminem got kicked out of? The Chris? Oh, you talking about Chris DeLella De- again? Yeah, I think that was Here's the lead. Oh, it's oh, the one with uh, yeah, with the four board on the four board. It's the one with uh, Dave Batista. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like it's yeah. I don't. I know Chris Lee is a stand-up comic. I don't know much about him other than that. So he, I don't know. Know. he imitates Eminem, and it, 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 gained, it went viral and stuff. God, he's making fun of how Eminem raps. He's just sitting in his car. This is my watch, actually. He's in the garage doing it as well. He did the one in the garage after Eminem did the weird video where he's talking about Trump with the like sporadic, like esoteric raps because he's like, it's awful. You know, I got a awful idea. Interesting. Okay, so sidebar. But yeah, so I'm not really. Like, as a, again, Zack Snyder fan, preamble, but I've now watched one trailer. People have been sending me trailers, like, you know, Laserbeam has talked to me about the trailer, but I've now watched one trailer. I'm more in the line with Callus. So I was like, I already watched two and a half hours of this movie, and it was bad. Like, I will eventually watch it because I have HBO, and like, yeah, but like, I'm not, like, you know, I don't understand how this fandom, like, zombified this movie. Like, I don't, like, like, this is a powerful fandom. Like, I'm just in awe, I'm just in awe of what they did. I'm just like, I gotta see what the, what comes out of this process, because this will be, exactly, well, this will be indicative of what other fandoms can do. Like, maybe we can reboot other things. Like, because I'm a part of a lot of fandoms of, of things that are, like, kind of dead or, or, you know, never, yeah, fire. It got serenity out of that, yeah. you know. Yeah. I would watch a five-hour Infinity War before I watched the <laughs> four-hour Snyder yeah. Cut. Why yeah. have so, the deleted scenes from a shitty movie? <laughs> it's mad movies that have stuff cut that I would love to see. Like, yo, like, what <laughs> Like, make Judas and the Black Messiah a little bit longer. It's a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying, yeah. son? And I'm, I'm sitting here watching the Snyder Cut, which is pure money grab. Like, there's nothing... Like, yeah. This is stupid. Yeah, I was in awe when they did that whole, like, when he was like, it's coming, and they just showed the, like, you know, they show like, 10 fans, and then 100 fans, and 1,000 fans, and they just pull the screen back and get smaller and smaller. I'm like, this man has this many fans? 
Jesus Christ. I was like, wow. I don't know, Carlos. Because I, 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 this is, like Double was saying, it's, it, it's driven by fans. It's just like people, just enough people decided that they wanted to see. Yeah. I mean, there are people who liked his BVS aesthetic. Like, yeah. he didn't like it, but and that movie made a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. And there are people who really like what he did there. I don't agree with them. I think, you know, he, made it, he went a bad way, but... So, personally, what I think is interesting we're going to talk about is that it's almost like DC just threw in a towel. Like, our shit is garbage. They're, like, I've never seen a... Yeah. Like, they're rebooting in the middle of a continuity. They were just right. like, throw my hands up and see what sticks. Well, they have, like... like that's that's a problem to be in. Yeah, what did I get? They no, they fucked up Wonder Woman. I was going to say they have Aquaman and Wonder Woman, but they fucked up Wonder Woman, so they don't even have that. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just like, if those movies, if, if Marvel wasn't doing what they were doing and had the success with their properties that they've had, those movies would have been reasonably successful. But, right. You know, it, it's, yeah. if, you're, if you're like, if, if you're like, oh, wow, we made this movie, you know, grossed $800 billion, uh, sorry, $800 million. Um, well, that, that's a healthy profit margin. That makes like two or three hundred million dollars for the studio. That's fat. Then, you know, if the Avengers movies are making a billion dollars, if Black Panther is making a billion dollars, and Captain Marvel is making a billion dollars, and your flagship Justice League is making, you know, six hundred million, it's like, what's, you know, what's, what's going on here, guys? You know, you, you, yeah. you know, Warner Brothers have, Warner Brothers have these iconic properties. And granted, Warner Brothers has had success on the small screen with these properties. With uh-huh. years. I mean, there's been years of Batman TV shows and cartoons and Justice League cartoons that we were talking about earlier and, and Superman cartoons and, 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 and TV shows. And they've all been successful, except, you know, for the... Even the Schumacher Batman movies, you know were financially reasonable. Go on, the last one flopped, and that's why they didn't make any more. Yeah, that was, uh, that, that was, oof. It, it, that, I mean, it, yeah. The third that, one killed, that killed comic yeah. book movies, that last, I mean, they were dead set against making comic book movies. Um, after that last, the one with Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman, like, yeah. Like, if, when you watch movies that are, when you watch documentaries about the making of Blade, and like how, di- you know, they really describe the dearth of interest in comic book movies in the wake, because you know Blade comes out in '98, and that movie was came out in '97. The, the Batman, right? Uh, they're, a year apart. they're a year apart, and it was just like it was literally like every door was being slammed in people's faces to make. That's why they went to New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema is like this, like you know, kind of off-brand. They're only famous for like Lord of the Rings and Nightmare on Elm Street. Those are their two big fr- flagship franchises and so it's like yeah we'll take a chance why not <laughs> you know yeah, worked, and so, worked out well rebooted comics <laughs> you know so anyway so that's the Snyder Cut we're gonna move on so now we got a little bit of a taste for you guys we're gonna you know speaking of like projects that DC has done well or you know treasure troves of things that they have is Milestone Comics and Milestone Comics just a little quick story is uh, was a an imprint made kind of an idea of image back in 1995 by and it focused on black superheroes and it was 
run basically by black creators and writers and, and, uh, and artists. Uh, and a guy named Dwayne McDuffie was one of the lead guys there, and there's a recent documentary that came out about him. And with all this centering of black art, in, in whether it's in fashion or in installation art or, 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 uh, or just going to your bookstore, even outside Black History Month in the wake of BLM, you see a lot of really good work on, on, uh, on black, centering black art and black artists. And so I think what we're going to see is DC and WB kind of dipping into the milestone pool. And so I wanted to give uh, us some time to kind of talk about milestone and what's happening there and, and, uh, and you know, a little bit of a history, just to whet the appetite, because we're going to do a deeper dive on milestone in another episode. So I'll let you guys open the floor up. Well, in Basically, Milestone, uh, you know, as a, as a concept in the 90s, there, there were kind of these offshoots and, and uh, indie comics were, were starting to get big, you know, Dark Horse, Valiant, um, we're, we're, we're doing things. And uh, what, what Image did was create a company where the creators own the properties and Image was like a a licensing and, and distribution company, basically. And Marvel and DC were both like, oh, crap, this is fucking our model. So what they did was they said, okay, we're going to give, we're going to make an imprint. So it's kind of like they would still have distribution rights and kind of own part of, the, the, the creators wouldn't own wholly the the um, the properties of the characters DC would could have access to them when they wanted, so that was kind of a kind of a thing. But it did allow these creators, these black creators, who weren't able to to create the characters and and in, in in the medium to um, kind of explore and expand their their interests. So they had, um, I think, five. They had uh, Static, which is probably the most popular hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, uh, you know, Black Emo Iron Man. Uh, Blood Syndicate, which was a kind of super-powered gang comic. Um, I think, was Quantum and Woody uh, a, a, uh, a milestone comic? Well, I have to defer to you. I defer to Garrick on that one. I never heard of that one. Which one? Quantum and Woody? No, Quantum and Woody was Valiant. That's Valiant, okay. But that's also another good, uh, you know, the um, black character. They had, um, so, uh, Icon. Icon. Yeah, Icon. Right. Uh, Zombie and, uh, Zombie and Shadow Cabinet. Were yeah. the ones that routed it out. So that, and they did, um... Didn't they have a character called Rocket, too, as well? So Rocket yeah. is an Icon. Rocket is an Icon. That's Icon's sidekick. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, the, gotcha, The idea gotcha. was that these, these characters were... These people got um, the the city is set. It's set in kind of like a midwestern city. That's that's an urban, um, like one of those kind of urban enclaves where white flight is kind of you know black and brownified. The center cities. So it's 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 in a place called Dakota, which could be a stand-in for St. Louis. It could be a stand-in for Kansas City. Could be a stand-in for for Chicago, even any of those kind of yeah. uh, places where marginalized people are kind of grouped together, and a, a and, and Black Lightning 
just another Black Lightning kind of borrows from this a little bit as well, because in the, the Black Lightning CW show, because the idea is that there's a company that's that's doing an experiment with this this mutagenic chemical, and so they release it uh, on you know when when there happens to be like a gang war happening. So all these different um, all these different people get these get these powers, but they're all centered. The bang babies in this in this area. So most of the people who get these abilities have to be black or brown because of where these chemicals are released, where this experiment is, or whether accident happens or whatever. And um, and uh, so without getting too deep into it, that's that's where it goes. That's how these characters develop, and it's pretty cool. And Black Lightning does a similar thing where um, they. There, the idea is that there's a, the government is kind of testing the super soldier serum, a super soldier serum on, uh, and, do, and kind of mix it with the Tuskegee experiments. Like, oh, we it's like only half the people survive in this, so we'll just, we'll just use black people. Mm. So, anyway, that's, cool. that's um, yeah, appreciate that history. Well, right yeah. there, yeah. And then, so, I, I think the cool thing about Milestone is that it, um, there's a plethora of these characters and stories that were created uh, uh, about black and brown characters, and they were created by black and brown people, um, writers, like the creators, like um, uh, as much as I love Black Panther, you know, he was created by uh, two white men, you know, kind of thing. Um, so, like the, you know, it, it does matter like who who are the creators behind these things. You can you can see that with Finn in Star Wars. Finn wasn't necessarily oh, predisposed no. to be a black character though. Uh, I read yeah. an article about Tom Holland uh, trying to be Finn, and his audition didn't j- just didn't go well. That's not a predisposed black character. Like he wasn't. Right, right. But that. You, oh, you, I like, see. Last I see. Jedi would have been written like the last Jedi was if Tom Holland was Finn. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? Do you think yeah. that Wiggins would have been shot and written yeah. the way it was if Tom Holland was Finn? Exactly. Well, I, I tell you know. Also, so yeah. side so sidebar. Yeah. What I'll say about this is, I think they had no plan. We've, we've talked about this before. They had no plan. JJ didn't know what they were doing. They had no overarching plan for the three movies, and they had a hard enough time just figuring out what Ray and Kylo are going to do. And so everybody else is like a tertiary, like oh. adjunct. You know, Ray. You know, or uh, Finn. Poe, the droids, Chewie, everyone is just there to service those two characters. Leia, Luke, Han, like, every, like it's, it's all about Ray. Before we get too far down that. Yeah, so, like, I, I would agree that, like, yeah, that, like, I, guess the, I think you know. the point stands that if there's, yeah. if there's diverse creators in the room, yes, those yes. characters can get, yes, Justice, or they so they're, they're better. They're better service. They're better service. Yeah, and, exactly. and I think yeah. that that's something too that set milestone apart from your image. And you know, Dark Horse had this thing where it's trying to be more edgy and, and cerebral. Sure. But what Milestone did was not only have uh, people of color creating, but they also put them in real life situations. Like Rocket had to deal with teen pregnancy. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you had to deal with uh, the Blood Syndicate being members of gangs, diverse members, you know, Latinos, uh, you know, African Americans, like dealing with real world situations which weren't really touched upon in the core DC universe or even the Marvel universe, except for in kind of, uh, I would say, childish ways. You know, like that's how you get the protector from Teen Titans when they're like, mm-hmm. you know, well, yeah, no drugs. I mean, like, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to be like, I was the biggest milestone fan or read all the comics, but I, I have these right. like, these like seared images in my brain of like when my roommate Mike was collecting them and reading like this one icon where the dude like shows up to like, there's like a bank robbery or something like that. He shows up and the cops react like cops do with a big black dude. They're like, what are you doing? And they like almost draw their guns. He's like, no, I'm here to help you. <laughs> and like, would they do that to Superman? Like, no, that's the whole point. And that's because of like, you know, people like Dwayne McDuffie and other people of color creators are bringing that specific point of view that like, even as a superhero, the cops are going to be like, oh, oh like, do you have ID on you? Like, <laughs> are we just supposed to believe that you're like that? Yeah, that, that image, like, you know, and so, like, you know, because we kind of, in my opinion, kind of want to whitewash it with, like, the idea, right, of Will Smith and Hancock, right? Like, the cops, like, he shows up and does stuff, and the cops, like, love him, and they're like, Hancock, help us, and stuff. I'm like, would it really go down like that for Hancock a brother? Hancock was a drunk, though. <laughs> yeah. The cops did not love Hancock. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. They, did, they did address kind of the the you know the the, the racial aspect in Hancock because that's a little bit memory. But um, I'll say one yeah. thing about Milestone that was interesting and, and and unique, and this is again speaks to to uh, black creators um, writing black characters with with uh, with better service. Is that the central conflict of these characters? Some of them stem from. Um, you know, the Booker T. Washington, uh, yeah, yeah, WB, old black, yeah, um, split because, um, the character of icon that you're talking about, Booker T. guy, you're talking yeah. about, he's he was literally the, his origin is a Superman origin, and it's basically what if, what if you know, Kal-El landed in, in the south in like 1850. Yeah, the anti-bellum South. Yeah, and and, um, and uh, you know, basically, he's a, like this. He grows up, you know, literally grows up a slave, and kind of bootstraps himself up, and he's living in like this mansion, uh, having kind of retired from because he's an alien, and it's it's a little different. So we don't want to get too 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 into it. When we can do a deep dive into it, but his idea is that you know he's coming from an alien perspective, and he's like you know he has a very W. E., uh, he has a very Booker T. Washington view of things, right? Yeah. And the rocket shows up and and kind of changes his world. It's like, listen, man, you got to get out here and do something because you have these abilities and you you could make a difference. And that's kind of the, the one of the core conflicts of that book, and that's what drives it. Mm-hmm. Rocket is the main character in that. Yeah. It? You know. which, I, which I think, which brings me to since we started this with a talk about a black Superman, why not utilize Icon? Right. Yeah, because he's yeah. like less well known. Rocket. Yeah, even, Rocket. He, like, let's let's go. Like, no, no, no. But like, if you do a black Superman, even if it's negative press with all like racist saying like you get that's that's still good. That's still press. There's still people talking about it. That's still gonna. And if they cast someone like a Michael B. Jordan. 
like, you know, that's going to put a lot of butts in seats. Icon is like, there's a lot of work to familiarize people with Icon. Like, there's an instant controversy, but also an instant sort of audience of people, and especially in a polarized America, like, people, you know, everyone on this podcast is going to be for the black Superman, and there's going to be a bunch of people automatically against it. If you have Icon, you just educating people in the history of this black superhero as opposed and it is for me it's, it's like a name recognition. I was just saying yeah. I think the name is the biggest key. It's like the if name he's not key. Superman, yeah. then he's not a black Superman. Whereas we as comic book enthusiasts and nerds know Icon is technically the black Superman. No one knows yeah. that. He's Icon. You know what I'm saying? If you put Icon as a branding on something you market, uh whereas opposed to like black Superman, this motherfucker's still Superman. Suicide Squad. Well, nobody knows about that. But if DC, if DC had been able to do, but it's still a DC entity. Like, so is Icon. But if DC had been had had been able to do what Marvel did and build a brand in that, you could introduce a character that people didn't know, and people would just go to see it because it was part of something bigger. You could probably do an Icon movie. Right, like like that, you know, because yeah, yeah they marketed Suicide Squad with Harley Quinn, who's a notable character. That's true. Yeah, I mean, Suicide Squad, you know, spun out of Harley Quinn, or, or yeah, well, uh, she was not even Harley movie. Quinn spun out of Suicide Squad. Right, my, my bad. It it had it had Will Smith in it, and it was it was a known name. It did well, it, but again, you know, if you're if you're talking about putting out a movie and you want to just have people, if you want to take a, a, an unknown character. Shazam? Shazam's not unknown. A lot of people did not but, know. But Shazam didn't do well. That's yeah, like, I'm kind of proving your point. And it's Shazam, Shazam really bad. Like, Shazam, like, I like Shazam, but it was not a successful box office film. It, it, it did worse than what? All of us. I think it's the worst joint. <laughs> <laughs> I think it did the worst. It did worse than uh, Justice League for sure. Yeah. 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 In terms of it numbers. Did worse than Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Did, I mean, I think. I thought it was actually. I was actually going to bring up Shazam, but you you did beat me to it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, like, no, I'm mean, like Superman. It's <laughs> not impossible. I'm not yeah, you know, arguing on the point that yeah. it's impossible to do it. And, like, if they, you know, they, they, you know, if they get, like, the Marvel gusto, Marvel made Guardians of the Galaxy, literally a bunch of D-listers, like, yeah, big time. Yeah, and so, like, you can do it if you have the right people and the right yeah. tools. But I think, I don't know if, John, if uh, Jason Abrams is that dude. Uh, he's not a Kevin Feige. In my opinion, he's a lot more, he's just lazier. I guess not lazier, but he doesn't do the deep dive into like really what makes his character work. So let's bring him forward yeah. into the into the foreground. It is it's a like catalyst. Say, it's just name recognition. So it's a quicker path. It's just well, a quicker I, path. I think at this point, like we were agreeing, they're just throwing anything. So yeah. you know, maybe maybe they need to just reevaluate. And I think that the treasure trove of characters they have in the milestone could be a good start. You know, take the static. Uh, and yeah. Something about milestone is. Uh, these characters, yeah, they started in the 90s, and they had their runs, but they have been trying to be reinserted into the DC timeline many times over the years. Dwayne McDuffie put them in, uh, his Justice League run in the comics where Shadow Cabinet was there. Uh, he put, it, well, DC put Static in the Teen Titans. Uh, I think I it, remember that. I do remember that. Uh, it, 
2015. I remember at, at San Diego Comic-Con, Jeff Johns came out at the Milestone panel and said, oh, we're bringing Milestone back. We get Earth M. They announced yeah, that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember you were so excited you came back. I remember yeah. I remember how excited you were about that panel. They've been yeah. sleeping on this. They know how, how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. And they missed the opportunity because by not giving these characters the life they needed in the comic world, yeah. they starved the population of their ability to translate them into, you know. Yeah. No, no, so because I don't know, did they ever bring back Earth M or this this milestone? Yeah, yeah they yeah. did. Okay, did they have? Yeah. So it's been a lucrative endeavor for them. No, so it's it's been alluded to. They talked about it for every, literally every year. They they talked about it in 2018. Um, now they finally are announcing this this month for Black History Month in 2021 that Static is back. They put some uh, images of the first comic and all that stuff. So they're officially back, but it's taken a long time I mean, to do it. I think that they missed those opportunities uh, to really enamor the public to these characters. Yeah. I mean, I think to your point, it's like they, with comics, you gotta have like, you know, different generations buying into it. And it's missed kind of like a generation, maybe a generation and a half, because the people who know the most about Milestone are people our age. (laughs) People in their like, you know, late 30s, early 40s. So those are people I run into. I'm not in the age. Double Black, you remember at San Diego Comic Con, we were going to see Mega Ran, shout out, uh, at his concert, and there was a dude dressed up as Static. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Static Shock. And that's how you realize that, like, this character who is, like, DC's version of a Spider Man, more so Flash. Yeah. Yes. You know, like, absolutely. And they try to put the Flash and the Justice League into that role. Like, Static is that young, like, puts his finger on the pulse. You know, they had a Static before there was a Miles Morales. Yeah. Yeah, He influences Miles Morales. You can see Static Shock. Miles Morales has shocking powers. Like, what is that? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah. So, I mean, if they do it right, Static Shock could be that Gen Z black hero guy, right? You know? But you're right. There's there has there's been a break in the continuity of the like buy-in from you know maybe a, you know ten years of fans or you know fifteen years of fans at this point. So I think they should introduce it in another medium like a TV show or like an HBO Max show or something like that. Yeah, cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like the Harley Quinn cartoon, like something like that. That's, yeah, that's, that, would, that would that would be a great way to do it. That's, that's, yeah, that's a great show. Two yeah, great shows. Yeah, so 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 great commentary. Uh, I guess uh, let, let's let's kick it to the last thing. Uh, we're gonna stay in the theme of Warner Brothers and DC and all of that. Um, cool. And I know everybody saw uh, the news of the week or the last two weeks. We got a new Mortal Kombat movie coming, and the reason I segued into this is because I'm a fan. <laughs> fighting game fans. I got a lot to say about this trailer I seen about this movie that looks impeccable. Let me start by saying that. This movie looks amazing. Fuck lore. Fuck all the stuff I normally harp on as Catalyst. This shit look fire. Fire. Absolute fire. I I can even live with the fact that Bihan is ripping off uh, Jax's Jax's arm arm trailer, which is the most ridiculous <laughs> shit I've ever seen in my life. But still, <laughs> like, I think you guys 
I think you guys are in a desert. I think this is a nice oasis that uh, that you guys are seeing in a desert. Than ever. That's the one when uh, when Chinook is introduced, right? Chinook, 
they're, they're like, look, I'm out to name a bunch of characters. You're gonna be like, I didn't even remember these people were part of Mortal Kombat. Uh, Tanya. Hattie. I remember her. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about my man. Yeah, because uh, I play Mortal Kombat, dude. I know who Abby is. I know who Tanya is. I, I mean, I. Raiko. Raiko. Do I know? Raiko. He's the he's the ninja with the red suit on, and he wears the Batman oh, style mask yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of the yeah. mask with the the lower half. Yeah. So there's yeah. so many characters in that game. The yeah. reptile that looks like a reptile. And so everybody is like, I don't know who this dude is that looks like a lizard in the, in the trailer. And I'm like, oh, no, it's Saurian. He comes from a race of people from Outward in Adenia. They're Saurians. Like, you got to realize, like, he's and not the, the only reptile human. Like, what they do in, uh, in, 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 uh, in 10 with Kotal Khan. And he, like they really treat it like a nation of, of disparate people who come from all these different groups because Kotal Khan is like, you know, trying to unite people in all these different clans, the Terracotta, the Shah Khan. Khan died before the first tournament. Yeah. And that's why he's just back to being in exposition, though. I mean, you can explain that in, in story. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to do. I mean, I know they're not going to do it in one movie, but I think if they take the bare bones and they do it right and they, you know, steer away from what... Laser Beam of Sand is just like, you know, stumbling into one fight after another. That's why the first movie sucks. You know, and they actually have some kind of story and narrative, I think, that, you know, and arcs for their characters that, you know, and if they really, I mean, I think the heart and soul is your point, Catalyst, is to focus on, like, Bihan and Hanzo and, like, their beef and, like, all that and their grievances against each other and, like, you know, because they can tap into the whole Marvel thing. It's like, oh, someone's pulling the strings and tricking Bihan and tricking Hanzo and there's, you know, somebody doing something and, like, what's going on here? And so that can, like, whet people's appetites for, like, another movie and stuff. But aesthetically, it looks really, really good. Um, and so I'm I, just excited for that reason. I agree. So before you go for for podcast sake, I want to iterate. The reason I keep saying Sub-Zero is Bihan is because it has been announced online that he is not <laughs> only Sub-Zero, but he is also Noob Saibot, which indicates mm. he is Bihan. He is the first okay. Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero. And becomes Noob Saibot. <laughs> It's on IMDb right now. Yeah. It says beyond yeah. sub slash sub zero. So you're all good if you were worried, you know. Okay, I'm just saying, I, I, like, I keep saying beyond because I know at this point my man. But is this is uh, before he's Noom Saibot, so no, no, no. You because he dies, and he gets killed, and he Saibot. comes back as a revenant, yes. which is a spoiler. You know, that's a spoiler now, bro. Yes, that's not a spoiler. That's the Okay. <laughs> this is a movie, man. <laughs> You're spoiling the movie. You're spoiling more combat to exactly. the revenge of Bihan. You're spoiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> Those fatalities look like at least those fatalities. I give you that. Those fatalities could be the coolest thing in this movie. It's not, yeah. uh, like, look, look, look. So there's multiple ways Jax loses his arms throughout the Mortal Kombat history. It's almost equivalent to Uncle Ben dying in Spider-Man. It's, it's just that bad. So the most notable, uh, iconic way that Jax loses his arms is he chooses to because he needs to be stronger to fight the forces of the Netherrealm and, and Outworld. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to watch him get them shits ripped off by being frozen too hard, he would have died before they got the surgery. No, but you said that it's based off of the actual lore. MK9, it doesn't quite happen that way. It doesn't quite. He already had the metal arms when they were frozen and ripped off. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so... He ripped his human arms off before being frozen. 
I think the thing is with, with this, this this movie Smash Game uh, is that while yes the trailer looks awesome like it'll it'll give me my giggles to just watch it but like it's a different animal people who like Mortal Kombat want that visceral in your face kind of reaction so like they're torn between having to introduce as many characters as possible for as many fights and iconic scenes but also somehow trying to bring a, an extensive intricate story I am uncertain whether or not you can do that and please both people because somebody yep. had to make money I don't disagree with any of those things I don't but this nothing has ever looked this good in the Mortal Kombat live action universe because we've never heard 2021. We didn't have the, the, the ability. Exactly. It's the it's I think I love you guys. I, I love yeah, I love it, but like I think you guys are getting seduced by the, the graphics of like twenty twenty one. Like it's like it's never like Yeah, it's just like have modern technology to like make a fire dragon come out of yes. and then if they could have looped like, dragon better they would have done that to talk about what we were talking about earlier like that's the reason why i love sucker punch because it's a b52 versus a dragon and it looks super real story is not very good it sucks so like i can separate will it be yeah best this could be a sucker punch yeah it's not gonna be the you know so like that's all i'm looking for that's why i compared it to fast and the furious let's talk about it like this objectively the best mortal kombat story ever is average and we're talking about nine to eleven. <laughs> like even at the the pinnacle of the story, mm-hmm. this shit is average, man. And so like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to necessarily get the best exposition I've ever had from watching a piece of entertainment, man. I want to feel the essence of Mortal Kombat. And I'll tell you, that two and a half minutes I watched on YouTube feels like the essence of Mortal Kombat. And I'll tell you for two I'm telling you. So I just looked up the director. This dude's name is Simon McQuaid. He ain't never directed nothing before. Um, <laughs> he's like, goofy-looking um, white boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just, I, I, but that's you the know. thing. He probably paid a lot of Mortal Kombat. He's a goofy-looking white boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I do before, but I do some Mortal Kombat. Goofy-looking white people do mad amazing stuff on a regular basis. This movie, like most, like most no, movies, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm just saying. Me, this movie, like a lot of movies, like it will turn on this bad guy. And like, I'm really looking to see what they do with Shang Tsung because if they make Shang Tsung just some kind of flat, like stroking his beard, evil guy, then it's not going to be interesting. But if they really make him like this kind of like, int- like they can really make him like a Loki there. type, like he he's the second in command. He's going to be good. He cannot be the central bad guy. Shang is never the central bad guy. He's a freelancer. He comes around when it's convenient for him. That's why well, he's not the villain I see in this movie. I think oh, he's going to be the main villain. villain. He's, he's him, villain. And Melina, him and Melina are going to be the, the, the villains. Yeah. yeah. So. Like, all right, I got to... Okay. I, I, I didn't see that from the trailer. And you got to explain to me how in Mortal Kombat lore that even comes about. Because <laughs> Melina works for a completely different... Yeah, they both like, but he like he made he made Melina his flesh pits like you know mm-hmm. anyway so right, round of more real quick thumbs up thumbs down Mortal Kombat based on the trailer oh I'm, I'm watching that I'm up thumbs down if we could watch that shit together and scream, <laughs> like that would be a movie that would that, that would definitely be on the list no question well, we 
we can talk about we can talk about that. We should. Um, I like yeah, it's right. a little bit safer. Like go back, do a watch party at the theater. You know, if we can do it's it, like I'm you know, ready. yeah. We just we, we all got to bring like one person. We do ten bucks a head, or like eat like seven bucks a head, and we can like we can pay for it. Uh, yeah. uh, I was saying, you know, the, the part, we only got to worry about, but we should totally do a, a, a viewer party at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, I'll kick it back to you, Catalyst. Take us out. All right, all right. So, begin podcast faithful. If you are watching this right now, we love you infinitely. There is no way we can't tell you how much we appreciate you as the begin podcast. We know it's been a long time. We know it's been a... a, a, a a circumstance that nobody could predict, but we appreciate your support. Um, and we're not stopping. We're coming back with more. We got the whole crew here. The fact that we remote means you're going to get the whole crew much more often. And, and it's the Begin Podcast. So what couldn't you love about it, you know? Uh, Begin Podcast in the building. The whole crew is here, but we out. We love you. Deuces.